at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Bronx Beat Podcast presented by Baseball Prospectus. I am EJ Fagan. Tonight I am joined by Dr. Paul Semendinger. Hello EJ, how are you? And Baseball Prospectus staff writer, I think we can we can say that, uh, Derek Alvin. Uh, <laughs> hey EJ, you could say that about yourself too though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, uh, It's been fun to, to write for the, the main BP page uh, lately and hopefully, hopefully we'll have some news about that in, in regards to this podcast pretty soon. Um, if you missed it last week, um, if anyone missed it, last week I interviewed Jarrett Seidler uh, on the Top 10 Yankee Prospects, and I thought that was an excellent episode. Um, Jarrett not only went into a lot, a lot of detail about some of these new Yankee prospects that I'd never heard of, but also um, we talked a little bit just about the minor leagues in general, about what life is like in the GCL, that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it, it's, it's one of our better episodes. I highly recommend it. If you have not listened to it, go back and listen to it. Uh, you're not missing anything by waiting a week on it. Yeah, I, I got to say, actually, if you don't mind me interrupting, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed it, listening to it last week. I, there's a lot of prospects in the system that you just like don't know anything about because they're so far away, but you guys really drew out some interesting stuff about them. And, and you can ignore them when they're like the number 20 prospect in the system, but when all of a sudden you know, some guy you've never heard of is the number three prospect, you got to call the expert in. Right. Um, and, uh, and that way we, uh, we can kind of pay, you know, pay attention to this next generation, which should be a lot of fun. It's a lot of, a lot of good news in the, in the Yankee farm system. Um, uh, to the point that's almost not fair that Jared talks about how some of the players the Yankees got, um, in trades that they, where they shouldn't have gotten any kind of good player. Like, like when they, when they were going to lose Jake Cave to the, uh, to waivers and then they, they traded him to Minnesota and then that's the number seven Yankee prospect in a deep system. Highly recommend that. Everybody should listen to that. That's not the discussion for today. Today's a different Baseball Perspectives discussion. We're going to talk about um, Picota, which is the Baseball Perspectives um, uh, Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization test, uh, test Algorithm Prediction Engine. It makes statistical predictions for um, uh, Major League Baseball players. It was developed by the used-to-be-less-famous Nate Silver, Back about 15 years ago, um, it makes statistical projections based upon the similarity of players to past players uh, for the coming season. I think it still is by far the most accurate of the projection systems. So you've seen Steamer, you've seen Zips, you've seen a bunch of projection systems out there. I believe Pakoda is still number one by a mile, though I could be wrong about that. Um, Derek, you're right. You're, you're in the you're in the middle of a project right now, talking about about kind of some of the changes that Pakoda's undergone. Can you just explain what's the difference between it and the these other systems? Um, so one of the big things, and there's a recent um, update, I guess a couple of months ago, when Baseball Perspectives started rolling out DRC Plus, which is the new hitting metric that's used in the site, which is now implemented into the warp calculations, which in turn is also used in Pakoda. Um, it used to use true average. That was the hitting statistic, uh, statistic of choice. Um, but true average was more of a sum of here's what happened. Here are the results. DRC Plus is trying to get more at 
what did this player deserve or what could we have expected him to contribute? It's another way it's of trying to figure out how good a player truly is, trying to figure out, hey, you know, did this guy really deserve to be to hit 300 that year or, or something like that? It's, it's another way of finding out how to be a little bit more accurate and precise with how good a player is rather than just relying on the results. Because let's take, for instance, a guy who, I don't know, let's just, Brady Anderson's the first guy to come to my mind. He hit 50 home runs that one year in the 90s. You know, I'm sure if he went and looked at all of his hitting metrics, they would love him. My assumption would be that DRC Plus would be a little bit less bullish on him just because, you know, this is Brady Anderson we're talking about. He's not a home run hitter. And that's just one example. It's just trying to get to the core point of how good is that player is. And the nice thing about it for Pakoda is you're trying to figure out in a projection how good a player is as well. And I think DRC Plus just does a better job of that in general than other hitting metrics. Yeah, so if, if people are interested, we did an episode on DRC Plus a few months ago. It's really good. I highly recommend you you um, you, you listen to it. We kind of dissected how DRC Plus works and uh, kind of went into some of those differences. But I think the core the core thing to know is that it's it's just more predictive than other other statistics, which means that when it comes time to predict the future, it will be more accurate. And so this is almost certainly improved. Um, the the Pakoda predictions proje- uh, predictions that we can expect, and we're going to go through some of those for the Yankees right now. We're going to do little uh, uh, over unders on this Pakoda projections, and I want to start Paul off. The Yankees are projected as a team to win 95 games next year. They're projected to have the best offense tied with the Houston Astros in the American League. Um, However, they're pretty close in offense to the Red Sox, but they're projected to have a much better pitching staff than the Red Sox, who are projected at 89 wins. So, Paul, I want to ask you to buy or sell, or I'm sorry, not buy or sell. What, I'm going to be going back and forth on this all night, uh, to uh, an over-under on a six-win difference between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Wow, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say under. I don't think the Yankees are six games better than the Red Sox at this moment. So you think that the Red Sox are better than 89 wins? Yes, Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. The Red Sox, I think, are probably a mid-90s win team again. You know, they're not going to win 108 like they did last year, but 89 seems a little low to me. They're they're too good for that, even though they didn't really do much this offseason. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of their pitching staff. I mean, they have Chris Sale and not a lot behind him at the moment. Um, you know, if David Price and Nathan Yavaldi and those guys end up being really good, you could see them, you know, getting back you know above 100-plus wins again. Um, but you could also see, I think, uh, uh, an underrated chance of like a complete collapse yeah. in their hitting stat. Their, yep. their big problem is their bullpen. I mean, yeah. they lost Joe Kelly, which I know is kind of funny. To It sounds funny, but he was good last year. And Craig Kimbrell, it sounds like, I mean, who knows where he's going. There's been very few rumors about him, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back at the Red Sox. And their bullpen looks a little shaky. So. Yeah, and, especially, and that's really the big difference compared to the Yankees. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, yeah, Pakoda thinks that the Red Sox have a great hitting lineup. They think Mookie Betts is the second-best player in the game. So it's not, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not being cheap on the Red Sox. But they are. Re- Pakoda is really bullish on the Yankees. 95 wins. Um, I want to get to uh, some of the individual players. <clears throat> but before I want, I want to do that, I just want to do a quick statistical lesson here. Pakoda heavily regresses player performance to the mean. That means that it it, it assumes that most players who are performing well above average will will perform more average in future performance. Same for players that are performing well, well below average. And so it will always underrate the truly exceptional players. So any Hall of Famer would have had more pessimistic Pakoda projections than their actual performance. 
The reason why is because Hall of Famers aren't typical. You have to project every player knowing that they're typical and, and that there's a good chance that they'll come back. And so in order to convince Bakota that you're going to be a 7, 8, 9-win player, you got to be Mike Trout or, or Mookie Betts. And so when you see some of these, you know, remember that you know, that's, this is accounting for the probability of injury. It's accounting for the probability of Gary Sanchez doing what he did last year, etc. And so you know, we should um, – uh, some of these might seem a little bit low, but they're really not. I want to go and talk to, talk about Gary Sanchez as the first player. He's projected to hit 254, 333, 475, 3.5 wins, above average on defense, uh, 29 home runs. So, Paul, I want to ask you, over under on the 29 home runs for Gary Sanchez, what's he going to hit? All right, I'm going to say over. Okay, how many home runs do you expect Gary Sanchez to hit? How many do I want him to hit, or how many do, you do expect I expect him to hit? Him to I want hit. him to hit sixty. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, That'd be me fine. too. Um, boy, oh boy! You know what? There is the part of me that says, "I hope he wasn't who he was last year." But if you're a Yankees fan and you you have to go into the spring hoping that last year was the greatest aberration in the history of uh, uh, ball players, and so I'm saying thirty-four. Derek. I'm over as well. I think he hits 32. I'm going to go with. I'm pretty, yeah, high, I'm pretty high on him. I, I think there's like an outside chance of just explosive 40-plus home run power. And there's an outside chance that he does what he did last year and becomes a real problem. Um, but I, I, I'm leaning toward the 30-plus, the, the especially since you know he, he had an injury last year. Let's move on to, I think, the most interesting Pocota projection. Derek and I have been talking about this one for like a month now since we've first seen these. <laughs> Luke Voigt. So Luke Voigt is projected – the playing time is a little weird, so I'm not going to look at the counting stats. But he's projected at 279, 350, 505 slugging to be worth about two and a half wins and only about 450 plate appearances. So that's like four wins or so full-time. Um, Derek, will you take the over-under on the, let's say, 505 slugging percentage? Oof. That's pretty high. That's <laughs> – I'm going to go under. I just uh, – I'm – I'm really enthralled by this projection. It kind of gets me excited about Voight. Um, but I'm going to have to go under. I just think it's too too much of a risk to go over on that. And I think he's going to be good. I actually had a little brief blurb about him when Pakoda was out on the Baseball Perspective site, just kind of raving about this ridiculous projection. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to go under. I'm not quite as high as Pakoda is on him, but it definitely kind of is up to my expectations a bit. Paul? You have to go under. Uh, Pakoda's only giving two other Yankees um, 500 <laughs> or better, and that's Stanton and Judge. There's no way that Luke Voigt's in that in that company. I, I definitely think that he's probably going to be uh, uh, under, but I do think there's some outside chance that we just that he's just a real star. I mean, Pakoda is looking at the batting line he put up in, in a limited amount of time last year mm-hmm. and saying like. You know the six, you know the the six eighty nine slugging percentage last year was truly exceptional, um, and uh, I think that's just uh, that's just just fascinating to look at, and uh, makes me at least excited to see what he can do. I, even if I, I think I'm kind of with Paul, probably. I, I got to add too, just the thing that that's really interesting about him is that um, the Yankees coveted him last year, even when he was in the minors with St. Louis. Like nobody cared about him. He was. A quad A slugger. The Cardinals are ready to dump him for Chase and Shreve. And here come the Yankees, who I guess scouted him better than anybody else. And they found a guy they really thought was going to be good. And I think they really believe in him. Because otherwise, 
I would think they would try to have found some other first baseman, at least as an insurance policy, uh, but they seem pretty confident in him, and they've already said it's his job to lose in spring training. So, Does Voight have a nickname? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of want to. I don't know what to call him, but I, I, I think he needs a nickname. I think I'm gonna, Grass Fred Country Boy let, isn't really good. Let me enough. check his uh, baseball reference page because that's where the nicknames are usually listed. But I don't see. I, I see nothing on the page right now, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we can acquire Luke Voigt a nickname uh, if he has a good April. Uh, but let's move on from Luke Voigt. Um, the next up, next up, I'm going to talk about. Let's say Greg Bird. So Greg Bird is currently projected at a 712 OPS, 228, 308, 402. Let's assume for a second that he gets some playing time, so this is kind of in contrast to the Luke Voigt one. Paul, do you think that he is uh, better or worse than that OPS? I think that one's right on. I'm I'm, I'm souring on Greg Bird, so I I don't even know if we're going to see him in the major leagues this year. He's got to go down uh, to uh, AAA, and he's got to perform and perform well, and I don't know if he's going to do that. Derek? I'm going to go over. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll be by much. I just think there's a little bit of a bounce back due for him. Um, I don't think he's as bad as he's been the past couple of years and around all the injuries. Uh, I'm definitely down on him, though. There's no doubt about it. I mean, his bat looks slow. He swings through a lot of fastballs. Um, but I do think he's due for some sort of little bounce back. Uh, I don't think he's going to be anything good going forward. And Do, do you think he makes the opening day roster? No, I don't think so. I, I, That's the problem. I don't think there's, there's any playing time for him right now. Well, you know, you got, I think, you know, with injury, you know, he still has options. So like Paul was saying, he'll probably go to the minors to start the year. But I think with injuries, he'll be up at some point and get a few at-bats here and there. And, you know, there's a better chance than, you know, I mean, Voight, I'm sure, has a decent bust rate. So... If that happens, they're going to have to go to Bird at some point. So I, there's there's probably some playing time in there for him this year. All right. Next up is Gleyber Torres, and I don't. Please, I want you guys both to tell me this. In, in addition to the over under, I don't know if this is an optimistic or a pessimistic projection. So we've got his batting average at 260, his on base percentage at 337, his slugging percentage at 443, slightly above average defense, which comes out to 2.7 wins. Uh, I think I guess Derek is next. Derek, over under on that win projection? Um, it feels about right to me, actually. Um, I definitely wouldn't go under though, so I, I guess by default I'll just go over. Um, Paul, did you say Paul or did yes, you Paul? Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I did interrupt Derek. I am just trying to get this to move along. So yes, okay. I'm sorry, Derek, for interrupting no, you, Paul. Okay. What do you think? I think it's way under. Me too. Yeah, Glaber's better than uh, 260, 337, maybe not 443, and they're only uh, counting for him to have 20 home runs. I think if that's what the Yankees get out of him, everyone's going to say at the end of the year that that was a disappointment, and but I this don't seems like think he's going to disappoint. Right, this seems like the worst possible season I might like reasonably expect out of Glaber Torres, unless he's injured or something like that. I think, I mean, Glaber Torres slugged, but 480 was it 80 last year, and you know, it, coming off an injury, being pretty young, like having some like weird struggles in, in, in the major leagues. Like, I think, I think this is, I'd say, like, there's a reasonable chance that he's the second best hitter on this team next year. Not that he will be. But I, I'm very comfortable taking the over because there's a huge range of possibilities. He could be a 490 slugging guy. He could be a 450 slugging guy. He could be a 530 slugging guy for all we know. Like, he's totally got those skills. 
Um, Part of me mm-hmm. says if he hits that, if he hits those numbers, it's strange. The uh, Pakota's given the Yankees ninety-five wins because, again, if he hits those numbers, I think it's going to be a disappointing year, and he's a big guy the Yankees are counting on. Just wait till we get to the bullpen. I think that's a pretty good projection, though. I mean, to, for a twenty-two-year-old guy, I mean, that that's that's pretty good. But it's worse than he did last year. It is, but you know, he's still twenty-two, and he never really showed power like that in the in the minors. So I think Pakota is kind sure. of accounting for that. Um, so let's move on to Miguel Andujar. So Miguel Andujar has a very pessimistic projection, and and podcast listeners know my thoughts on Andujar, so I'm not going to say anything. Two seventy three, three twenty four, sixty four, uh, negative seven runs on defense, which all comes out to one win. Paul over under one win on Andujar. Over. How? Uh, what? What? What part of this projection do you believe is most wrong? I'd love to say the defense, losing, uh, uh, being negative seven is awful, terrible. I don't know if he's going to be that bad. Um, but I also think he's a better hitter than they're giving him credit for. A much better hitter. Derek? See, I think the defense projection is actually too nice. But I also <laughs> think, the, uh, I think the offense is probably selling him a little bit short. So He was negative 15 runs right, last year. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting that much better. I'm pretty pessimistic about his defense. Uh, but I do think he'll hit for more power than what he's getting credit for right now. I mean, uh, I think his his uh, what his uh, his isolated power was over 200 last year. I think it was like 230 or something between his batting average and slugging, and now it's under 200. I mean, I think he's got a lot more power than what Dakota's giving him credit for. Yeah, I think I'd take that hitting projection and I'd add a few points of – I'd add like 20 points of slugging on top of it because I'm, I'm with you. I think he's definitely got the power. I think that's real. I think that, that on-base percentage of 320 is pretty reasonable. But, yeah, that defense projection, I'm I'm pretty sure Andujar is terrible. So uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully he gets better, yeah. but uh, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Let's move on to some more interesting ones here. Um, all right, so I, I want to do this fairly quickly. So let's talk about Aaron Hicks. 250, 350, 430 with a 2.2 win projection and, and another negative seven runs on defense. Paul, is Aaron Hicks as bad as center field, at center field as Miguel Andujar is at third base? There's not a chance in the world. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they, they rate him worse than, than uh, Andujar, so that doesn't make any sense to me. And if he's that bad, oh my God, just put Bryce Harper out there. Yeah, really. I, I mean, so he was only worth negative. He was worth negative nine runs on defense according to Fangraphs measure last season. Derek, is is Aaron Hicks bad at defense, or is this just kind of a weird statistical anomaly? Yeah, this is actually the first time even noticing this. This is kind of shocking to me. I, I had just always presumed that Aaron Hicks was a really good defender. Um, yeah, this this definitely seems like an anomaly to me. I really doubt that he was that bad. That's got to be one of the worst center field. Uh, or defensive ratings for a center fielder in baseball, I would I would imagine. It's got it's pretty bad. The other defensive statistics have him ab- above average. I, I in my mind, like Aaron Hicks was a slightly above average center fielder. Like that yeah. that's been the me- mental picture I've had. I will say that like the thing about outfield defense is that a relatively small number of of like medium to difficult plays determine your your fielding average for a year, and those are really those are subject to serious sample size issues. Um, unlike, for example, infield, where you just see a lot more balls, um, in the outfield, you know, if you, you know, if you don't catch five, you know, medium difficulty balls, that's, you know, that could be worth six or seven runs, um, and uh, could really, could really change your rating. And so, um, I think, I, I, I'm a, 
uh, I, I would take that Aaron Hicks that Aaron Hicks projection with a grain of salt. Um, let's move on though, and let's talk about Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge has a I think a pretty nice uh, five win projection on base percentage three eighty slugging four eleven. Derek over under on Aaron Judge's wins. Um, I'm going to go over just because I think his hitting projection is selling him a little bit short. I think he's got more power in there, especially in the home run total. Uh, so I'm going to go over. I know that's, it's kind of crazy to go over on a five-win projection in some senses, but I, I think it's, he has it in him. Paul? Over. He's got to be over. I, I think this is another floor projection to me, right? Like, I think this is as good as he is if he stays healthy. But, you know, he, he has a reasonable chance of slugging 600-plus. Yeah. I mean, if Aaron Judge stays healthy for a season, I think that's what we'll see. It's yeah. what we saw before he got injured last year. He was a, We've he seen, was, he was a five-win player last year, and he was out for, what, a month or so? So Yeah, he didn't he didn't approach 634 plate appearances. Right. Um, so, yeah, so good, good thought right there. Uh, last but not least, Giancarlo Stanton, four wins. Uh, I'll just say 38 home runs. Derek, over-under on 38 home runs for Giancarlo Stanton. I, I think it's going to be a big year for him. I'm going to go over pretty confidently. Paul? I'm going to go over as well. He's more than a four-win player. And, uh, you know, everyone said he was a, a creature of habit, and the transition from Florida to New York was a big transition for him. So we have to hope and believe that this is going to be a monster year for uh, Giancarlo Stanton. All right. Moving to pitching, Luis Severino, 3.55 ERA in 174 innings. Paul, over-under on the ERA, 3.55. He's going to be under that. If the Yankees are going to be successful again, he's got to be better than that. That's not what I asked. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope he's better than that. (laughs) Listen, it's the spring. We have to all be thinking positively or it's going to be a long summer. Derek, what's your read of Luis Severino? Uh, I don't know we've talked about him with – at least we've talked about him on this podcast yet. Is he he, he good? Is he first half Severino or second half Severino? Um, I think he's definitely much closer to first half, so I'm going to go under. I am pretty confident that he'll turn around. I mean, he's had all winter to figure out whatever went wrong, and he'll have spring training to work the kinks out too. Uh, I feel pretty good about him coming into this year. I think this is a bimodal projection. I think Severino is either the 2.9 to 3 ERA pitcher that we, we've seen in, in the good times, or he's just terrible. I don't think there's any chance he ends up with like a, just a very good ERA. Um, James Paxton, 3.32 ERA in 156 innings. Uh, Derek, over under on 3.32. I'm going to go over, but not by, I'm, I wouldn't say like by a dramatic amount. I just, I would say closer to like 3.5. I think the Yankee Stadium effect is going to be a little harder on him than, you know, than you might expect. Paul? I'm going to agree with Derek, but I'm also going to say that they're projecting 156 innings for him. And I think he goes well above that. All right. Um, so I'm going to skip the other the other pitchers who I think are kind of less interesting. They pretty much have established reputations at this point. And let's go to the bullpen. So um, in the bullpen, the uh, uh, baseball perspective uh, projects Betances and Chapman to be worth 1.5 wins, Chad Green to be worth 1.2 wins, and Britton and Anavino to be worth uh, a little bit under one win each. So I want to I just want to ask you guys. Pick one player first, or I'm, I'm going to ask you to pick one player who exceeds their projection and one player who does 
uh, worse than their projection. So let's start with, we'll end on the optimistic note. So let's start with one player who does worse than their projection. Uh, Paul, what player do you expect to disappoint here of those five? Maybe Chapman. Why? Um, you know, his so fastball. So projected at 2.39 ERA, you know, basically the Chapman that we, we've known for a right, while. Right, and, and people feel that uh, 1.17 whip, uh, which is, um, I think, probably a little high if he's going to be the great Aroldis uh, Chapman. And he is slowing down. He's getting a little older, and there were times um, when his fastball didn't have the same zip, and he does seem to get injured. And so if somebody has to disappoint, it might be him. His control was really a problem last year. Um, I mean, he had he still had like a sky-high strikeout rate and great FIP numbers and, and all that. But I, I'm with you. It, he didn't feel as safe last year. And, um, and I'm not really comfortable projecting him to do the exact same thing all over again. Derek, give me a different player who's not Araldis Chapman who you expect to disappoint. Uh, I'm going to go Britton. Uh, Zach Britton with a K now, by the way. Not, not Z-A-C-H, Z-A-C-K. <laughs> Uh, so get used to that. <laughs> um, yeah, just watching him pitch last year, uh, his control makes me even more nervous, I think, than, well, maybe not as much as Chapman, but, I mean, he just looked a little bit all over the place to me last year, and I was really actually surprised um, that the Yankees decided uh, to bring him back over David Robertson, for, for say. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty down on Britain, and that 3770 ERA for a projection is already not great, but I really don't feel well good about him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I'm going to move on to the good news because I've said enough about Britain on this podcast. <laughs> All right. What player of those do you expect to be significantly better, Derek? I'm going to go out of Eno. I think it's pretty. that's a yeah. pretty um, low low uh, projection for him. You know, it's not a bad one, the 367 ERA. Uh, but, I mean... If this guy is healthy and he's going to be striking out a million batters and he's going to be a tough, tough guy to face, uh, walks can be a problem for him, but I'm pretty optimistic about him beating that line. Paul, give me one player that you think will be better than their projection. Uh, definitely Joe Harvey. They're projecting his ERA at 5.26, and I know Who's it's Joe gonna Harvey? Be, <laughs> I know it's going to be 5.25, so he's definitely under. <laughs> you, you took my guy. I was going to go out of Vino. Yeah. I think that's the obvious one. I'll also say Chad Green, 3.21 ERA projected. I know that some of Chad Green's peripherals weren't as good last year as previous years, but I think there's totally a chance that he's, he is as good as we, we've seen Chad Green over the last couple of years. Yeah, they are giving him 1.2 war, though, so I mean, that that's why I didn't go there. All right. Um, Jonathan Lewisaga, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Clint Frazier, none of them have particularly good projections. Um, so of those three, who do you think, those three young Yankee prospect types, who do you think is most likely to have a really good breakout season? To give you an idea, Clint Frazier, Clint Frazier is projected at replacement level. Uh, Jonathan Loisaga is projected at replacement level. Jordan Montgomery, once he gets back, is projected at replacement level. So of those three, Paul, who do you think could be a very valuable player? Mm. I'm going to go Loisaga. If he doesn't get hurt, he's, uh, he's got elite talent. I'm not sold on Clint Frazier uh, doing as well as we all hope and dream he will. He he hasn't been great when he's been there, and he's uh, I mean he's had some flashes, but he hasn't been consistently great. We just keep hearing about the bat speed, and it's not really playing its way out there. And 
he keeps getting hurt, which and and I'm I'm worried about uh, guys recovering from uh, multiple concussions. So, and I don't think Montgomery's coming back uh, anytime soon. And he's a soft pitcher, so I don't know even how well he's going to do um, coming back from Tommy John. So the obvious last guy there is Loisaga. Derek, I think Frazier is going to be a lot better than his projection. I, 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 I like. I want to stay away from the pitchers because it just seems so volatile to me. I, I just wouldn't even take a chance on picking either of them anyway. Um, but, I mean, when Frazier was healthy last year, if you look at his AAA numbers, they were great. I mean, he's. I think he's ready. It's just a question of, you know, is, is he going to be all the way back? Will there be any more setbacks? I mean, it sounds like he's cleared for spring training, uh, but I guess you just never know with concussions. It is really scary. 311, 389, 574. He does not like the Red Thunder nickname, as he says on Twitter. Uh, do you like Wildling as a... As a replacement nickname, uh, as, as a um, current HBO employee, I have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually no, no. But really, I do think it fits him very well. <laughs> Derek, as a current HBO employee, how is Game of Thrones going to end? No, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> that means he knows everybody. Uh, Paul, yes. Good nickname, bad nickname. I, to be honest, I didn't hear what you said. Wildling. Yeah, it's okay. It's it seems a little uh, like wild thing from uh, the the major league movie. So, well, I'll give it a B. All right, um, you guys. Thank you for joining me. This has been a great episode. I think, generally speaking, we're we are more optimistic than Picota on the Yankees team, um, with a couple of notable exceptions. Um, so, I think that's that's generally generally a good thing. We mostly took the overs and ever on everything. Um, and uh, I think we'll just have to, to wait and see. This has been a great episode. Uh, keep a lookout for next week. Uh, we're going to be probably previewing spring training next week. So uh, thank you for joining us. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion, and once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry, from delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.